You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast. I am Tyler Brook, joined alongside Chris Burke on a dark, snowy day in Indianapolis, Indiana. Chris, how's the weather out there? Uh, you must be getting what we had. We had the snow. Everybody saw it before the game yesterday. Uh, we got yeah, maybe a dusting of snow, kind of the slushy stuff. But first first snowfall of the year, you know, we didn't get the snow game we wanted, but uh, can't argue with what the results were. Yeah, uh, we got some snow yesterday here as well. Uh, I ended up having to drive down to Lucas Oil, went to the Colts game against the Jaguars, real barn burner over there. Um, but yeah, we're finally at that point where it's dark early, it's cold and muggy and rainy and snowy. You know, six days out of the week, don't care for it. But on Sundays, it's snowing in Wisconsin. It's a great damn day for football. Yeah, it's, it's like we always say around here, football season has officially started. Um you know, the home field advantage for the Packers really starts to come out at this point, especially when the weather starts to turn. So uh, they're ready to rock and roll. We'll get more into that. But uh, yeah, I I am glad you brought up home field advantage because as we're sitting right now, uh, the Packers have exactly that in the playoff seat. They are back in the driver's seat for the one seed, uh, eight and two record, huge weekend for them, not only getting the win against Seattle, but Arizona and Tampa Bay going down. Uh, Arizona getting walloped by Carolina and Tampa Bay getting upset by Taylor Heineke. Heineke gets his revenge for that playoff game. Um, but, you know, obviously if people were mad about the Lambo leap, but you know, number one, Taylor Heineke fan over here. Now, if he helps the Packers somehow get the one seed. Yeah. Weird. Kind of weird. You know, Tampa Bay's lost two in a row. Now I'm not going to fall for that trap again. I'm not going to write them off. They're going to be a tough out, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I did. Heineke, I, you know, totally. He's he's fine. It's it's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, I think it just goes to show you. I think it's the beauty of the NFL. You know, any given Sunday is such a cliche phrase at this point, but you know that Tampa one especially is such a great example of that. And I know obviously the playoff chances are almost guaranteed for the Packers at this point, but you know it's something to keep an eye on as the playoff race goes down. Uh, you know, you're looking at the schedule. You think certain games are wins. You think certain games are losses. I mean, you never know. Uh, shoot, earlier this season, we everyone was convinced the San Francisco game was going to go poorly. And look how that turned out. Just something to think about. Um, but let's go ahead and get into it. You know, obviously, great, excellent win. You know, 17 nothing against the Seahawks. Would you say you enjoyed the game, Chris? Um, I would say it was definitely a tough watch for three quarters, you know, ish, because I, I tweeted multiple times, like, Oh, this, you know, and it was three, nothing at the half. I said, this game needs to be put down. You know, somebody shoot it. It's just, it was, it was ugly. Um, but you know, ugly in the sense that I've always been kind of an offensive guy in terms of enjoying football. I haven't really enjoyed these defensive struggles, but Hey, if you're a defensive guru, you know, there's, these are the games you live for, but personally, you know, when you're growing up in the era of Favre and, you know, Holmgren and the West coast offense and, really when the passing game really took off in the NFL, you know, games like this, 
games like that suck. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it, but end result, you know, you can't, can't argue with the result at the end, you know, running game came on late. So I can't, I can't complain about it, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I've been with you for most of my life. Just like I'm a big offensive guy, but uh, after learning a lot about defensive back play, uh, it's something I've really learned to appreciate. So in certain games, I really enjoy a defensive slugfest. And like, this was the perfect example of that for me. Uh, you know, it was a lot of deep shots by Russell Wilson and you just got to see the secondary and how they, you know, essentially game planned against that and how they played against it. It was really awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed that even in the first half, but to your point, yeah, the, the first half definitely for this game was just, man, anyone that bet the over, I'm sorry. Uh, three points and a half of football is not great. Um, but man, I, uh, <laughs> I was at a bar sober driving, uh, for all my drunk friends who were not Packers fans watching this game, uh, a very unique experience to say the least. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday, you know, I guess it wouldn't, it shouldn't have been surprising in hindsight, because did you see some of the, some of the early games, some of those games were just blowout weird games. And then you had Pittsburgh and Detroit which that talk about a game that was drunk, that game shouldn't have been able to drive home. Ended in a tie. Congrats to the Lions. 12 game losing streak is over, but they didn't win. So clap, clap it up. You know, clap it up for the Lions. Let's go. Yeah, they didn't yeah, lose. Round of applause. Round of applause. Um, but man, I mean, how did you, were you able to see any of that or were you driving? So I was at the Colts game. So I missed most of the morning games. We were getting updates throughout the game. My buddy and I were constantly checking the Tampa Bay score just because, you know, people don't love Tom Brady in Indianapolis. Big surprise. Uh, but, you know, I just got most of what was a very strange Colts game where they blocked a punt, went up 17 nothing, and then still almost found a way to lose to Jacksonville. I mean, you want to talk about a weird team. How about the Colts? But, you know, we're, we're, getting, we're getting off track a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just it was, it was a weird game. So, I mean, in hindsight, we really shouldn't have been surprised to see the Packers game go that way because some of their games games have been let's be honest kind of weird this year anyway so it was very on brand but man that was tough to sit through at the beginning <laughs> i've enjoyed it from the fact that they have really found different ways to win football games it's kind of like the game plans on offense and defense have been pretty drastically different on a week-to-week basis yeah, let's go ahead and jump in talking about the defense uh, obviously it was you know, a dominant, dominant performance from Joe Barry and company, uh, a shutout. It's actually only the second one in the last decade for green Bay. Uh, can you guess what the second or the other one was this decade? Uh, I believe it was against the jets in 2018. There you go on Halloween day. It was nine, nothing win. Uh, just a re- another real barn burner of a game. It's kind of crazy. I mean, you think about, you know, how, how hard it is to get a shutout in the NFL. And when you think about two in a decade, I mean, sheesh. And for that to be Russell Wilson's first career shutout, that was just made it a little extra sweet. Yeah. You know what, you know, what also shares the shape of a zero like Russell Wilson had in that game, a nano bubble. Oh yeah. I, uh, I've taken those curd my concussions right up. Yeah. I couldn't, could not resist that, but um, no, I mean, phenomenal performance. And you know, when are we going to stop? You know, I just want to go on record. I'm going to be writing more about this begging for mercy from Joe Barry uh, this week over at Hackley Packing Company. But I got I owe him an apology. I think a lot of people had that higher peg wrong. I mean, there were, I think it was Paul for us that wrote something about, you know, you can question the process of how he was hired, you know, not getting Jim Leonard. That's fine. 
But, you know, there's people out there that are still crapping on Joe Barry. I've got somebody on my Facebook feed who's going to remain nameless. I uh, don't want to put him on blast on the Internet, but who still thinks Joe Barry is probably going to get flared at the end of the year. And I'm like, I finally said to him, I'm like, what are you what games are you watching? And, you know, I, there's a lot of fans and even some people in our industry that cling to these opinions like it's, it's an opinion. It can evolve. You can change it. It's Absolutely. not the Titanic. You don't have to go down with a ship. You know, it's a take. You know, people make their mind up and then they they cling to that and will go down with it. But, you know, things can evolve. Say you're wrong. You know, people will admire you more when you admit you're wrong. You know, it's a lesson I think we can all learn. But, man, were we wrong about Joe Barry. Um, Turns out when you're not, you know, a defensive coordinator for a poverty franchise like the Lions or Washington, you can actually do some good things. So uh, tip of the hat to Joe Barry for sure. Uh, Phenomenal game plan and really all year despite missing some big horses. It's uh, it's crazy to think about. I mean, I, I tried to reserve judgment. I get how hard it is to come in and install a game plan brand new with a team. And obviously, when you didn't play your starters throughout the preseason, they looked lost as hell the first week of the season. Um, but clearly, he's turned things around. And to do it without Zadarius or Jair for the majority of the season is just incredible. Uh, they've turned Rashawn Gary. You know, we'll talk about him a little bit later in his health status, but they've turned him into a legitimate weapon. He already has a career high in sacks, which is just incredible. Um, things are trending in the right direct- direction across the board. I mean, you're getting pressure everywhere. Um, this is a great note. You know, Wilson was pressured on 45% of his dropbacks uh, on Sunday. He was only blitzed twice the entire game. When you think about that pressure without having to bring extra rushers, I mean, I, that to me is Joe Barry just calling a masterpiece of a game. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's just a, that's imposing your will, you know, in terms of not calling a blitz. That means your defensive line is playing lights out. I mean, Kenny Clark, destroyer of worlds. We say, it seems like we say that every week, but the defensive line is getting there and so are the linebackers. I mean, it's half the, I, I was surprised when I saw that stat, when he put it in the show notes, it's like, what a game he called. If you're getting that pressure without a blitz, ooh. TJ Slate deserves some love too. Oh my goodness. For a guy that only played 12 snaps in the game, he made himself noticed on Sunday. Awesome game for that guy. He's one of those kids, you know, obviously a rookie. He was getting some glowing reviews in training camp. And it seems like these last couple of weeks, just kind of out of necessity, he's needed to play. And he's really starting to make a name for himself. Uh, and then you add on Dean Lowry having a career year. Man, like we've talked about D, D line death being a concern. Like that's got to be exciting. I mean, definitely not the way we planned it out, right? I mean, even earlier in the season, we kept thinking, you know, you and I were talking like, hey, we probably should, you know, like to see another veteran defensive lineman come in, but they've made it work. And as far as Slayton's concerned, you come in with that, you wear that number 93 in Green Bay, you better perform, you know, like the gravedigger Gilbert Brown. So, uh, he's, he's definitely showing promise. And I mean, he's a mid-round rookie, you know, only in his 10th game. I mean, that's that they got depth right there. It's like the draft and develop thing. Huh? Imagine that it still works. You've got two legitimate inside linebackers, including one that's going to be an all pro. And then you've got a secondary that even without Jair's playing lights out. Uh, I mean, they held Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf completely in check in this game. And we got to see a, legitimately pissed off DK Metcalf get ejected from the game. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Henry black for the way he sold that initial flag. Just brilliant, brilliant work. Throw your hands out, 
<laughs> tilt your head back. Just make sure it's seen. Yeah, I think, and I think even Matt Lafleur called called him out on that. I think at a press conference, right? I mean that you know when when something like that happens, it's always a guy who responds that gets caught. But Henry Black did what he needed to do, and uh, for some very strange reason, DK Metcalf is listening uh, to this. Um, dude, Metcalf, how about a decaf? Just cool it a little bit. Just wow. I see what you did there. I appreciated that. Uh, I do appreciate Justice's campaign to try and, you know, let's dye that hair green and gold. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the uh, campaign to get DK Metcalf on the backers is alive and well, thanks to Justice. Um, only other note I had about the defense, who do we want to give credit for Russell Wilson laying a stinker? Do you think it's his finger? You think it's the weather? We want to talk about Joe Barry some more. We want to talk about the secondary some more. What, what would you put it on? You know, to, to be fair to Russell Wilson, I think, you know, if we're going to kind of give, we'll talk more about the offense for the Packers, but a lot of people are giving Rodgers a pass for missing time, you know, only getting activated Saturday. I think we can give Russell Wilson the same pass. If that's true, that he rehabbed 19 hours a day with that finger, dude's got to be tired. You're a human being. I mean, props to you for working, but I think we just got to chalk some of that up to Russ, but um, to Rust, excuse me, no pun intended there for once. Um, but, uh, it, you know, we also got to give credit. He was under duress most of the game pocket collapsing. Yep. He had nowhere to run. I mean, the, he's still slippery as all get out as we saw a couple of times, but you know, when you're coming on both sides of him and you contain him in the pocket, um, you can make him do some dang, make him do some dumb things. So I'd say some of it was rust, but I'd also say we got to give the defensive line and Joe Barry a lot of credit. Yeah. I am curious about how the finger fell in the weather, you know, uh, you know, if you've ever gotten like a, you know, a sprained finger or pulled or anything like it does throb when it's cold out. You know what I'm saying? I am wondering if that plays a factor. I, he was not wearing gloves, correct? Uh, no, he wasn't. Cause you could see that bandage on the hand. Cause yep. Fox had a finger fetish through most of the game. Oh, you know, zooming in on his hand every time he fell, it had that slow zoom in. And I'm like, okay, don't need to really don't need to see the hand there. But, uh, he, he was not wearing gloves during the game, no one. Really, you know, as much as the talk was about the weather, it wasn't terribly cold. Like, it wasn't a yeah. biting cold. I mean, probably mid-30s. I mean, that's balmy here. That's fair. And to Like, in my defense, too, it's very hard to be watching a game and, like, intently focused at a bar when drunk people are trying to have conversations with you. There have been a couple times where, like, hold on, it's third down. You need to give me a second. All right, what were you saying? And then we just continue the conversation. Um, well, thanks for that. I do think, yeah, there's a lot of factors into Russ's struggles. I think he'll be fine. I don't think that succession video did him any favors because he will be mocked for that along with many other things for eternity now. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you, you don't think the defense, you don't think Joe Barry showed the defense that, you know, <laughs> I, I bullet and board material. Undefeated, uh, 100%. So. 100%. He is still, I believe, what is he, thrown 12 interceptions? All time against the Packers, or maybe it's just at Lambeau. He has never won a game in Lambeau. That streak continues. Love to see it. Let's go ahead and move in on the offense. Um, very impressed with their commitment to the run. Obviously, you know they didn't weren't the most efficient on the ground. They ran it thirty two times. Uh, you know they really did want to challenge Seattle's defense. Like, hey, we are going to try to beat you uh, with the running game. Yeah, kind of what we've all been asking for, right? I he. You know, really wanted to see more of that out of Matt LaFleur. I kind of almost wish this – actually, I don't kind of. I do wish 
this was the game plan they had for Jordan Love last week because this was clearly designed to help Aaron Rodgers, and I really think it would have helped Jordan Love um, against Kansas City. But, uh, yeah, especially when your quarterback's not on, you know, he's rusty from practice. You know, the, they smacked him in the mouth, smash mouth football, and Rodgers playing complimentary football. I mean, who would have thought, right? But, uh, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal run game. Um, so that was great to see. Do you think that smash mouth football is going to turn A.J. Dillon into an all-star? We're going to be calling him the snowplow by the end of December. Because um, there was, there was, you know, he had a phenomenal game. I mean, you just look at look at the EPA for each of them. Dillon was plus uh, 0.17 and Jones was actually negative 0.2. Um, and we've seen there, there have been times during the year that I'm like, man, Dylan almost looks like, you know, RB one, you know, I don't want to put that on Twitter and get, you know, ratioed obviously, but I mean, there have been times and I, maybe you'll disagree with me, but he's looked like the better running back, but yeah, he, uh, this is showing up to be that time of year that man, Dylan could really have a breakout winner. Um, I, I mean, AJ Dillon's the perfect power back in, as far as gap run schemes. And you see them run a lot of them when he's out there. Uh, you saw a handful of occasions where they ran counter uh, and they just ran it like five, six, seven yards each time. Uh, it's an incredibly efficient play with Dylan out there because he runs for so many yards after the contact. Um, it's one of the big reasons for success. I don't think it's out of the question. I think they run both of them in different ways. Um, but Dylan has obviously succeeded as far as the scheme that they're running with him uh, to a far higher degree the past couple of weeks. I mean, this had to be his career best game, right? 128 total yards, his first two career rushing touchdowns or two, sorry, first two rushing touchdowns of the season. Uh, and obviously that 50 yard reception where he broke a handful of tackles, Devonte Adams is gassing him up after it. That play basically sealed it for the game. Yeah, that, that was an, I mean, unbelievable run um and to see the receivers get in and celebrate him tells me that, that he's a popular guy in that locker room why wouldn't he be um just i just i love seeing that interaction between different you know usually the running backs and the wide receivers are kind of in competition so to speak you know in terms of targets and who's getting the ball but to see dill uh Ed, Devontae adams hype up aj dylan like that was pretty cool and obviously they think they, they think the world of him and he's going to be a big piece going forward this team, man, there's something about it. Like you just talked about AJ Dillon. There are so many guys on this team that just are like good dudes, you know? And we saw so many moments just from this game where it's just like, you can tell how close this locker room is, whether it was AJ, you know, AJ Dillon hugging Aaron Jones after he got hurt or Randall Cobb, you know, piggybacking him out of the, uh, out of the stadium. Uh, this team's just different, man. I, I got, as far as the vibes, there's good vibes. Oh yeah, we're all about the vibes at APC, uh, and I got to give credit uh, to Matt Lafleur too for that. He's built an incredible. He's developed a great locker room culture. The players get some credit for that. But um, Lori Nickel of the Journal Sentinel, if anybody hasn't read it, uh, should just about how Matt Lafleur is, you know, handled through adversity, sticking to football, not getting caught up in the noise of, you know, the Rogers drama in the spring and summer, and then the COVID stuff. Just how he's just been handling it, and just who Matt LaFleur is. I mean, a fantastic hire by Mark Murphy. Um, I mean, what else can you say? It's just, uh, there's some, but there is something about this year's team though, that I would agree that some, some's different and it's, it's different in a good way. hundred percent agree. Uh, only obviously downside from the offensive performance. I think it should have been expected, but obviously it was not a great game from Rogers uh, coming in on Saturday after not practicing all week uh, through a lot of those YOLO deep, 
deep heaves. They were not accurate. Uh, he had an ugly interception in the red zone. And then obviously he was getting pissed with Josiah DeQuara, you know, um, just screaming at him for the second time we've seen this year. Uh, and then trying to throw him a ball that ended up in an interception. Just, uh, I feel kind of bad for the guy. Yeah. But I mean, you know, chem- chemistry is a big thing with Rogers and I, you know, really with Tunyon being out, is there a point where they have to go to another, get another tight end in, you know, I don't know. Cause I mean, if you gotta, you gotta have somebody in there to make the LaFleur offense really work. You gotta kind of have your Kittle type player, not saying somebody has got to come in and be Kittle, but uh, yeah, I, you know, especially out of Rogers though, what I got a kick out of is, you know, we didn't bring this up at the top of the show, but I do want to point it out after that interception of that, it was a stupid decision by Aaron Rodgers, um, for one. But after that interception, did you notice Jamal Adams uh, mocked the belt? And uh, look what happened. Oh, yeah. Afterwards. We've talked about how many times have we talked about this on this show at this point. You never mock the belt, you fools. You absolute fools. If you mock the belt, game, you're going to lose. Because that game was 3 nothing before they mocked the belt. And then, bam, two touchdowns later, the game is over. Um, you know, it wasn't that Rodgers went ham. The offense went ham that time. So, I, you, you know. Don't mock the belt. Stop. (laughs) I'm worried that's the playbook to actually beating Green Bay. So maybe we should just keep, you know, actually, let's change our entire tune. Mock the belt. Please mock the belt. Mock the belt every game. I would love if you mocked the belt. Yeah, mock the belt. Just don't tear your ACL during it. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's fair. We don't want to see that. Uh, Any other things that you wanted to point out from the game, Chris? I don't have anything else written down. Um, just special teams again. I, you know, Mason Crosby, that first kick. I mean, a lot of people were pointing to the wind. It wasn't that breezy up here. Um, they, they've changed the long snapper. They've changed up some of the protection. He obviously came back and made another field goal and the extra points later on, but I'm starting to wonder, and I love, love, love Mason Crosby to death, but I can't help but wonder if the bell's beginning to toll and it hurts me like hell to say that, um, just a little bit special teams again. You know, Amari Rogers actually looked okay. I mean, there was some competence there. I mean, at the same time, he, um, you know, he's, he looked a little better. But, I mean, I still think, you know, the special teams is still a major concern. Yeah. Uh, LaFleur admitted, obviously, it was an operations thing again as far as the snap coming out slow, getting Crosby off balance. Um, just the fact that he has the most misses in the NFL is just that that stinks that hurts for his legacy because he's been such a reliable kicker his entire career yeah. um you know obviously I saw that one fluke season and that one weird Detroit game uh and this year because this year's just been a shit show um yeah I and I, you know I think and I gotta give LaFleur credit I mean yeah you're gonna defend your players but it's sometimes you gotta start looking at the kicker I'm not saying it's time to put him out to pasture but you know he responded to competition before maybe the same thing will happen again if it if Crosby actually is the problem but um, I, I don't know that maybe that'll be something we have to watch for in camp next year, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely on the uh, eyebrow one eyebrow raised list for me, at least going through the rest of the year to watch. One thing I will say, you know, obviously with the new long snapper, my entire theory, I don't know anything about special teams. This is just me saying these things. Uh, I do wonder if, you know, it's just, it's going to take time for that operation to get comfortable with each other just because it is a new long snapper. I know Borges has experience with him, but Crosby does not. So that's just something I've been thinking about. Um, Just, you know, maybe that'll turn around. Fingers crossed. But with that, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll get back in with our regular segments. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we are back. Uh, Chris, uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to Matub. Uh, you know, victory bourbons are, you know, a big thing here at Acme Packing Company. Uh, I sober drove yesterday. Made sure to pour myself a nice long branch today. I don't have a pun associated with it, unfortunately. Uh, I don't think you're gonna be able to help me. This, you know, I'm just putting you on the spot right here. Any pun you oh, can boy. think of? You said you said long branch. Long uh, branch. Is that, is that by Wild Turkey? Yes, it's actually pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Russell Wilson with his charade is a turkey. So there you go. <laughs> and yeah, I want to hit him with a Boom. long branch. And there I want we to go. Strike that man with a long branch. <laughs> Second Matub reference this week on the Acme Pock. Acme Packing Company podcast feed. So cheers, Matub. Uh, let's go ahead and get to uh, the Gold Zone updates. We made an entire segment about a team that is now 25th in red zone touchdown percentage. Really unfortunate. The entire podcast name is off the Gold Zone. Uh, but, you know, only two for five in the red zone this week with a missed field goal, a made field goal, and a Rodgers interception. Uh, do we just need to affect or accept that it's just not going to be there this year? Yeah, I mean, that that number was some, you know, that was probably destined to come down a little bit, right? I mean, on the, on the positive side of things, I was glad to see them finally within the five hammer the ball uh, with A.J. Dillon. Use your bowling ball, as I like to say, and he got he made it through. Um, so I was glad to at least see that done on the goal line instead of some cute, um, unnecessarily cute passing type passing plays. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, that's. We might have to get a new name next year, man. I don't know. Um, might be like, I love silver. I don't, I, I don't know. We might have to, uh, we might have to change this next year. Cause the, the, uh, the gold zone is definitely uh, not so golden. Maybe we change our name to like the woke mob or something. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing over here. Um, in more positive news, the defense once again, got another red zone stop. Uh, in fact, they in their only red zone trip, Seattle threw an interception to drum roll, Kevin King. Kevin, man, he did it. He did he do it? He kind of did it. There's so much confusion over what the hell a catch is anymore. That was a catch debate over. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's did he have a football action? Was he going to the ground? I think that was an interception, not clearly an interception, but yeah, close enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, how how about Kevin King? You know, he of he has been, who has been taking a beating on social media from fans actually last couple of weeks has played fairly well. Um, so that's, that's obviously been great to see. 
Yeah, that's a natural segue. Let's just go ahead and move right into panning for gold because my positive takeaway was Kevin King. You know, the entire secondary played so well. He deserves absolutely an individual shout out, not just for this game, but the past few weeks. You know, if you think about if you take away week one from every single player on the team, uh, Kevin King's had a genuinely good season. And I know Packers fans, like even myself, like even saying that out loud feels wrong. But when you look at the film, when you look at how he plays, he's been very physical. He's been making open field tackles. He hasn't got burned again deep. He got an interception, you know, big deal uh, in the red zone, just a huge play. Um, it, it's a big confidence booster, I feel like, for King the past few weeks. Uh, I think the competition in the secondary is really elevating his game. Uh, something I'm very excited about, you know, if, if everyone's playing as well as they are and Kevin King is contributing, I mean, how is this defense not a top to five defense like it is right now? Yeah, I, there's there's no reason it can't be, except week one continues to weigh like an albatross. But yeah, he just, uh, you know, to see him bounce back, I mean, I, that that kind of noise around a player can really break somebody, even a veteran like him, especially someone who's been dogged with, you know, even from year one for him, you know, with the injury bug, injuries that he fought, and, uh, you know, some of the struggles that he's had. But yeah, he uh, if he's contributing, I don't know what Joe Barry's got in the water there, man, but I just want I just want a shot of it. Uh, yeah, because it's it's not just him. I I believe you had another secondary player you wanted to talk about. Yeah, my uh, my positive was uh, Eric Stokes. I mean, again, you know, he, we knew they were gonna, you know, they kept him. You know, we knew he was he's been playing well as a rookie. But I mean, we've talked about Jire Island. We might need to be talking about Stokes Island. We might have a freaking archipelago in the secondary <laughs> at this point. But. Uh, 47, uh, hang on, I got to look at my notes here. Uh, 47 coverage snaps, four targets, no receptions against Lockett and Baldwin. I, is that not an island? I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, I, we didn't hear Lockett and Baldwin called until the second half, I think, when we finally heard their name. Um, just an unbelievable performance by him. And I don't, this, this, might, this might be a take, might be a take, but I, defensive rookie of the year, maybe? I mean, under... It, it's so hard just because, you know, cornerbacks don't put up stats, you know. It's always edge rushers or linebackers. Just the numbers. Um, so that part's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, there is, uh, you know, never say never. I mean, definitely def all rookie team, right? Um, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, we went, can you just win him and Jair back? Oh, 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 that secondary is filthy at that point. Um, so tip of the hat once again to Brian Gutekunst and staff for that because, man, that was a heck of a pick. I mean, he's only a rookie. Can you imagine what next year's going to be like? Not to get too far ahead, but, man, uh, I'm excited for the future. There was one play on Sunday that just really stood out to me. Uh, I don't remember if it was against Lockett or who it was against. Uh, he got beat at the line uh, and recovered, and they took a deep shot in the end zone, uh, and he just recovered and stuck to that man all the way. In fact, it should have been OPI. The guy dragged him down in the end zone, um, but he just played it textbook. Honestly, like I think I brought this up earlier, the way they defended the deep ball altogether was just immaculate, just a truly great performance. And it was a big reason they won. Had Seattle connected on any of these deep shots, we would have been talking about a completely different game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's fundamentally sound on a deep ball for a rookie is a great thing to see. So, 
Yeah, we're talking. If they would connect on some of those passes, just um, they were great on the deep ball. Great. I mean, there wasn't luck. I mean, they were aggressive breaking plays up and not getting flagged for anything either. So, I mean, clap, 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 clap to that. Um, yeah, it. Uh, that you're right, though. A couple of those deep passes, we're talking about a completely different football game. Well, we got some news, too, to talk about today. Um, we have some non-injury news for once as well, but we'll start with the injury stuff. Obviously, two of the scariest moments in the game were Aaron Jones going down, coming out of the blue tent crying, and Rashawn Gary with a very graphic replay. Um, the good news is that you know Aaron Jones' initial diagnosis is an MCL sprain. Uh, he's only expected to be out one to two weeks. Uh, that's a huge relief after everything they were talking about on the broadcast. Uh, and then just another note, I'm really excited about Patrick Taylor. Yeah, I def- definitely, uh, you know, I've, I kind of was thinking, do they, who are they going to run behind Dylan? And maybe Patrick Taylor is going to be the way to go. Um, first, first carry yesterday, I think he had, he went for five yards. So maybe, maybe Dylan and Taylor will work for a week or two. Um, obviously, you know, I was thinking maybe more Jones was going to be a more long-term before we got the news today, but uh, I think they, they can, they can win, you know, in the next, they can be Minnesota, the Rams, you know, we'll get into that next week, but they can, they can win with those two, I would say. Yeah. I, um, I think what I would do in this situation is actually just shut down Jones until after the bye week that gives them three weeks to get fully healthy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they do it. The way they've treated injuries this year, they've been so overly cautious and I've actually really respected it. When you're in the situation, the Packers are in where you do not have to rush anything. You're in such a great position as far as playoff seating and everything like that. Why rush guys back? So I think that's a real possibility. Yeah, and I, I they don't need IR him obviously for two weeks, but uh, he uh, that you know maybe again maybe they could I don't know, but uh, I don't think they need to. But he I think the time after the bye, obviously they're probably they would really love to have him again up against the Rams, but I think that just might be asking a little too much. Yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens. There's still a lot of time between then and now. Uh, again, the other good news about Rashawn Gary, it is reported he is going to try and play with an elbow brace. Uh, next week. So he could potentially miss no time uh, after a really gross hyperextension of his elbow. Um, that is, however, pending an MRI on Tuesday. So if you are listening to this later in the day on Tuesday, uh, there is a chance there might be some other Rashawn Gary news to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't see the apparently CBS showed it once, but I, all I remember is Nance saying, you know, due to the graphic nature, we're not going to show that. And I just went, crap, his arm went the wrong way. That's a broken arm or torn something i said he's probably done for the year uh obviously not the case the man is a you know 9.98 i think ras score i mean the man is obviously a freak now he's gonna have a mechanical part on his arm i mean the, the bane gary thing really is kind of coming to life <laughs> i mean i that i know the jones one is big news as well but to me when i saw that i'm like that's a miracle he's potentially missing no time um i from the guys i talk about Basically, when it bends like that, there is a chance that it severs some nerves or some like you know ligament damage. So that's why the MRI is going to be important. But there are instances where it bends back where it's just such a shock to the system. You know, nothing tears. It just kind of is funky for a minute. Very weird. The human body is truly amazing, especially if you're a 9.98 athletic score athlete. I mean, uh, unfortunately, we do have bad news as well. Uh, it is confirmed that Whitney Merciless will miss the remainder of the season. Uh, with a torn bicep, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur earlier today didn't sound so optimistic and the news officially came out. Uh, that's a tough loss, especially because, you know, he finally got his first sack as a Packer uh, in the same game. 
Yeah, he looked really – he looked good yesterday. Uh, finally looked like he was coming into his own. You know, on the defense, it's like, great, okay, perfect. We got another another pass rusher that, uh, you know, can – if Zadarius Smith still is planning on coming back this year, he had some missing hold on the fort. And then that happens again. Um, obviously a bummer. Uh, I definitely – you know, if we're talking about acquisitions, I think maybe an outside linebacker is probably going to be on the docket this week. Yeah, um, I think the guys yesterday on the feed talked about it, but like there are not options out there, unfortunately. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be trying to poach someone off a practice squad, bringing Ladarius Hamilton back, uh, something like that. The options, unless someone wants to come out of retirement, uh, you know, are are not looking great, and that's a real bummer. Um, that's all we have for injury news, though, which is you know, all things considered, that is great news. Um, other news to cover: uh, Pete Carroll uh, on Monday. Uh, spent a lot of time in his press conference complaining about officiating after the loss, uh, saying that it played a huge part in the result, but you know, not the zero points or the multiple turnovers or AJ Dillon. That's all I heard. I didn't even hear words. I just heard the sound of a screaming toddler. Um, obviously Packer fans and Pete Carroll do not have a good relationship with, uh, you know, don't have a good relationship after that um, egregious fail Mary in 2012. But, uh, you know, you can't blame your own players for that. It's like, dude, shut up enough. Yeah, if I recall, too, after the fail Mary, he, like, he credited the officiating or something like that, just saying, like, you know, we won. It was a clean game, all this stuff. After an infamously bad call. Uh, and it's, I don't, I'm not sure what exact calls he's talking about. I think the big one was the... Um, the challenge he threw with the fumble, the contested possession that always goes to the offense as far as that fumble recovery by Rogers. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, dude, you did not throw the challenge flag. You just threw the first thing that came out of your pocket. Yeah. I'm surprised gum labels didn't come flying out of there or a life alert or a jitterbug or whatever. <laughs> My top said yesterday, it's like, God almighty. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't even a challenge flag, but you know, they, the officials fell for it. So what, what are you going to do? I just love the idea that like what is in Pete Carroll's pockets at all times. I like to think now that he just like, yeah, he has a pack of gum. He's got an old flip phone. He's just got like a computer mouse. Just, you know, you never know when you might need one, maybe some batteries uh, and then the challenge flag. So, you know, it's just whatever you can pull out of there, Um, man. Yeah. I I did not appreciate that. I, I always think that's just a, you know, I always appreciate the coaches that are clearly frustrated by the officiating, but you know, don't say anything because you know, at the end of the day, you, you can't control that stuff, right? It's all about what you can control internally. Yeah, and, you know, if it, you're talking about a 17-point swing, dude. Come on. I mean, this, this it was comical today. I mean, there are points, there's times, you know, when coaches have a point, but this today from Carroll was comedic. Um, but, you know, not surprised. Nope. Uh, other news, uh, pretty exciting. Uh, hopefully you listen to this podcast early on Tuesdays. Uh, there is a Packers stock sale on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., I think they're doing something like 300,000 stocks. Uh, it is $300 if you want to get a stock. Um, that That's a lot of money. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but Chris, are you a stock owner? I am, but I'm not. Uh, my dad's got one that is going to be willed to me at some point. So that's kind of what's got me hemming and hawing about buying a share of my own. Um, but, you know, it, they're, they're going to use it to obviously make improvements at Lambeau Field. I mean, the... There's all these people, you know, once that news came, became public today, you know, all this news on Twitter about it's a worthless piece of paper. Talk to the Cleveland in 1995 or San Diego 
or Oakland or St. Louis or Houston, you know, pre-Texans, post-Oilers. Wouldn't they love to have some type of security like that, that they have, you know, knowing their team's not going to move? That's kind of what I thought. So that I, people need to stop and think a little bit. This is a little more than a bake sale, as Albert Brewer said. Um, this yeah. is this this is how the team does it and why the Packers continue to be, um, you know, such a shiny example in the world of sports. You know, as a business school guy, I don't like that they call them stocks, but I still want to get one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, for the exact men- like exact reasons you mentioned, uh, the fact that it goes directly towards a meaningful, tangible thing like renovations for the stadium, like it goes right back into the team. And it's also the reason they will forever be in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, those are two reasons alone why, you know, I'm all in on it. Uh, it's obviously just like it's a very specific thing to Green Bay Packers fans. You know, other fans, cough, cough, Mike Florio, cough, cough, can, you know, crap on it all they want. But at the end of the day, it's what makes Green Bay such a special team, the only publicly owned team, you know, in quotation marks uh, in America. And I think that's just a a very, that's actually one of the, you know, I've always joked that, you know, the reason I became a Packers fan was because of cheese. And that's mostly true. But, you know, that little part about being a publicly owned team is just, it's very cool to me. Yeah. I mean, if you weren't calling it a stock, what, what would you call it then since you're the business guy here? Oh, a stonk, 100%. Are you kidding me? That's, that, that is a stonk. Oh, I mean, can you, can you imagine? I, I'm just trying to picture a Mark Murphy stonks meme. Uh, that just seems like it's inevitable. But, uh, you know, it's we've got, we've got a, like I said, we've got a share in the family. I mean, it's, if this if this team wasn't structured the way it was, they would have left Green Bay a long time ago, probably in the 70s or 80s when things were not looking so hot. Um, you know, things were structured differently, you know, that, it's come, it's come close over the years. So, I mean, this is why, you know, this is, a sh- you know, it's time is frozen in green Bay in terms of football, just the way the stadium set up and the way the team is set up. Um, that's why it's such a special place. So if people want to hate on this. That's fine. But don't come crying to me when your team moves in 10 years. I'm, I'm going to definitely tweet a Mark Murphy stonks meme tomorrow, Chris, just so you know, I'm definitely going to do that now. Oh, can't wait for he's that. Gotta be on, he's got to be on the toboggan, too. He's got to be on the toboggan with his hands up. <laughs> oh, gosh. I will. Um, I'm on the fence about buying one. I, I, you know, I know that's a lot of money, but. Uh, I, I'm not... Yeah, just so you are aware and that anybody listening is aware, there's also I don't I did not see what the fee is, but there's also a processing fee. So it is going to go north of 300. I just don't know what it's going to be, but. Uh, you know, you do get, you, there are, there are some privileges with it. You get, you know, the board of directors vote the shareholder meeting, um, you know, and then, you know, if you ever take a tour at Lambeau field, you know, one of the cool things, you know, I won't, sorry to spoil this if anybody hasn't, but they always ask, is anybody here a stockholder and inevitably at least one hand goes up, he goes, wow, you can actually go back home and say you went on a tour with an NFL owner. You know, is it a little cliche maybe, but uh, you know, that's, the team is still here. You know, that's, that's whenever somebody mocks that it's like the team is still here. I'll just get drunk with power and call myself an NFL owner. That sounds great. There we go. I'll uh, pretend like I know what to do with the team. Though I, I bet there's people that seriously think that like, well, as an owner of the Packers, we should be doing this. I'm like, all right. All right. Cool. Yeah. There's some, there's, there, there's definitely, there's definitely a few like that. And I'm, can you, I, then with, during the whole far thing in 08, that was, you know, there were people on TV all the time, like as an owner, I feel I'm like, somebody cut the mic, you know, just, <laughs> you know, 
get, get you need to get off your high horse because I'm like I'm pretty sure because that was right when actually right when Mark Murphy came in the poor guy walked into that inferno so uh he you know that's some people do get drunk with power for sure but uh you know hey if that makes you an owner that should give you the power to you know fire Roger Goodell you know there we go can't wait I'm so excited um let's just go ahead and wrap up gold rush we covered a few of them from Pete Carroll the flag pissed off DK Metcalf um one that got kind of like lost in the shuffle and I wish we'd talk more about it we got an Elton Jenkins Lambo leap. And I feel like we have not discussed this enough because that might've been one of my favorite moments of the game. Yeah. It actually registered on a seismometer, um, on a, you know, register on the Richter scale here. I think I felt that even here in Appleton when he landed on that seat, but um, I mean, it just shows you how athletic the guy is though. Right. Because if you, if you ever take a tour of Lambo field, you can see how high of a jump that is. And for somebody that size to make that jump, that just shows you how athletic an offensive lineman is. So uh, that was, that was an incredible play, but you know, with that, with AJ Dillon, just shows you how much they love the guy. And I love, again, we'll repeat it yet one more time. I love the vibes on this team. The best vibes, all the best vibes. Uh, We did talk about our last one as well, as far as Cobb giving Jones a piggyback ride, you know, with his hurt knee into the locker room after the W Um, we can't emphasize it enough. Just the, the chemistry on this team isn't like another. And I am wondering, I think, Cause it was, you know, the locker room was in great shape last year, but I do wonder how much of an impact Randall Cobb has had on that. Yeah. I, you know, in, in effect, Aaron Rodgers, cause he's the one that banged the drum for him to come back. Yes. Right. But I mean, Randall Cobb just, uh, obviously he's glad to be in green Bay after wallowing in Dallas and uh, Houston for a while, obviously glad to be home. Players are glad to have him. The fans are glad to have him. Um, probably all time, one of the all time favorite Packers, at least for me, but, uh, you know, the, the other thing about that, you know, in hindsight, I was thinking about that when I saw that with Jones being piggyback, you know, carried off piggyback on Cobbs. I'm like, you know, if he actually had a major MCL injury, like or a more severe MCL injury, I said, I bet you any money that would have been allowed to happen. He, Jones would have been off the field and already in the locker room when that happened. So in hindsight, I'm like, that's probably a sign that he's not as hurt as, you know, we all feared. So, but uh, yeah, I, I love Randall Cobb, man. Just uh, not only because he kills bears like a hunter, but uh just a phenomenal guy, locker room guy, and just guy in general. Was watching it with a Bears fan, friend of mine. And he, we just kept going, it's Randall Cobb again, every time he did a thing. Well, does he have like a nervous eye twitch every time he sees number 18? Does he just kind of get a little? No, really, shout out to Blake. He's an awesome man, uh, a good Bears fan. You know, that's hard for me to say, but, you know, good dude. It was really hard for him watching Adrian Amos more than anything. He was really upset that they let him go and replaced him with Clinton Dix. Um, and for him to see him get almost three interceptions, every time it happened, we just made eye contact and he was just like livid. Yeah, so you weren't on staff when uh, the whole Amos and haha thing was going on. But, uh, you know, there, Greg, when Greg Grabiel tweeted out that uh, you know, the, the Amos isn't that good and that haha Clinton Dix is a superior upgrade, as we say in Wisconsin, oh, you know, that mistake there, you know, and that almost was my Packers positive too, just to go off, you know, just a, one last highlight of the game. Amos had a game besides that interception. He almost had a few more and uh, you don't hear his name called a lot, but that's the sign of a good safety. He's doing his job back there. Yep. He's one of those guys that does everything well and does not do anything poorly. And that's a big reason why he's a captain. Um, great game. I hate Seattle. I don't know if we talked about this last week. I just really, really do not like them. I do not like Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson, the player, and watching him. 
I do not like Russell Wilson, the person. So I don't think it could have been a better, you know, outcome as far as 17. no major injuries, you know, obviously knock on wood outside of merciless. Um, yeah. I just think good vibes all around eight and two, number one seed. Let's go. Yep. Uh, on, on to Minnesota and then the Rams. And, uh, I just, I'm not sure I'm a fan of the late buy, but you know, it, uh, it's coming and that, that really probably hopefully will help the, uh, health situation, but can't complain. They're in the driver's seat in the NFC, you know, great week. Beep, beep driver's seat. Let's go. All right, guys, we'll leave you with that. And from Chris and myself, I love gold. Take care.